but knowing that you have to take steps right at the start to protect yourself. And that includes setting up an LLC or a corporation uh, when you get started in business, when you start investing in real estate, right at the start, because for as long as you operate as a sole proprietor in your individual name, the longer you are going to be exposed to risks of your business, whereby someone suing can reach your personal assets. We want to create that uh, layer, that layer of protection between you and the public. And that the best way to do that is to set up an LLC or corporation right at the start. And then you have to maintain that entity to keep the protections. Welcome to the Business Ownership Podcast, brought to you by Awareness Strategies, helping you navigate the waters between entrepreneurship and ownership. Hey there, peeps. This is Michelle Nedelec, and I am super glad that you're here today because today I have a duo of awesomeness for you. We have Ted and Garrett here today with you. So say hello, Ted and Garrett. <laughs> How's it going, Michelle? Thanks for having us on. Yeah, thanks, Michelle. Excellent. So give us everybody the highlight of who you are and what you do for business. Well, I am a, an attorney here in Reno, Nevada. I've been very fortunate to become associated with Robert Kiyosaki, and I've traveled around the world with Robert, the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I've written eight books in the series and sold over a, a million books over the last 20 years, helping entrepreneurs to understand the legal system. Uh, our main focus here at Corporate Direct is to set up and maintain corporations and LLCs. And my son, Ted, uh, has passed the bar exam in Wyoming and Nevada, and he's getting admitted to Texas, and he's going to take over the practice. So I'll let him uh, tell a little bit about himself. Yep. So as you know, I'm Garrett's son. Um, you know, I am a lawyer. I just passed the Wyoming and the Nevada bars. Um, and, you know, it's really special because he's been a mentor for me and uh, it's a huge honor and pri privilege to work with him. And it's really nice because I've traveled the world with him and Robert Kiyosaki and I've gotten to see the positive impact that they've had on people. Um, and so it's really an honor to be stepping into this role. And it's exciting, too, because, you know, we here at Corporate Direct, we've helped a lot of people and it's just really awesome to be in a position to help so many people around the U.S. and the world. And so dad already covered what we did. Uh, we're a business formation service. We help people with paperwork, registered agent work. And then also we help people with the new Corporate Transparency Act and the filings that small businesses are going to have to complete. So, you know, every, anything business related, we're here to help with. Um, and as we've kind of discussed, there's some new laws on the horizon that we're here to help people with too. I love it. And we will totally get into all of that because I know everybody wants to know, but I do have a question for you, Ted. Why Texas? Why Texas? Well, there's a few reasons for that. The first is you just have to look at the numbers, right? I mean, Texas is the second largest state. And in the next few decades here, there's a very good chance it could be number one because California is going down, Texas is going up. And another thing is that Texas has become a much more business-friendly state too. Uh, there's a lot of real estate activity there and we help a lot of real estate investors in the US. Um, and they've also passed recent laws um, that have been more business-friendly. For instance, 
They allow uh, the charging order for single member LLCs. So that provides LLC owners with um, additional protections. And then on top of that, they also started the Texas Business Court, kind of like the Delaware Court of Chancery. And, you know, there's this whole talk about Elon Musk moving from Delaware to Texas. Um, you know, there are some things in place in Texas that makes it advantageous having the business courts um, and just having a business friendly environment, too. So several reasons why, but those are the main ones. Right. Well, I, I love it. I'm a huge advocate. I'm so you guys may not know, but we're, I'm in the Canadian Texas. <laughs> so I'm yeah. in Alberta and uh, and it, it Texas to me has always been a a fruitful place to look for business owners because they they seem to understand that that's what small business does and that creates the economy. And I'm baffled by a lot of politicians that don't understand that, but <laughs> won't get into that yet. Let's get more into, I promise I'll divert off of politics as much as possible, uh, because what I really want is for everybody to be able to build a solid business, which I understand you guys do too. So when it comes to um, setting up your legals, like your entities and things like that, let's start off with why. Because I think a lot of small business owners will start there and we'll work our way up to the bigger ones is they don't understand why they need to have, you know, the difference between an LLC and C-Corp and all this stuff. Why does it even exist? Why do we need to have it? And then we'll get into the big ones. Because I do know as well, a lot of people that are in the, you know, $20 million companies that are still going, mm, I don't think we need that. So talk to me about why businesses need well, the, the U.S. is the most litigious society on earth. Uh, we have more attorneys per capita than anywhere. Uh, and I, I think Canada is, is not too far behind. They're, they're a nicer people, though. Um, but we in America, people have the right to sue. Attorneys get a commission, uh, get a percentage of what they collect. Uh, you come down here, Michelle, and you see all the billboards in a wreck, get a check. It's just this mentality out there that uh, you are entitled to sue someone and collect. And knowing that, I mean, we're not going to change that attitude, but knowing that you have to take steps right at the start to protect yourself. And that includes setting up an LLC or a corporation uh, when you get started in business, when you start investing in real estate right at the start, because for as long as you operate as a sole proprietor in your individual name, the longer you are going to be exposed to risks of your business, whereby someone suing can reach your personal assets. We want to create that, uh, layer, that layer of protection between you and the public. And that the best way to do that is to set up an LLC or corporation right at the start, and then you have to maintain that entity to keep the protections, and we assist clients with that as well. Nice. So when it comes to the the rules and the regulations around it, let's go into that, because I think, you know, a lot of uh, people understand kind of the segregation between business and personal, especially in the States. They are two, there's a reason they call it an entity, because <laughs> It is an entity unto itself. So once we've se separated that and and then there's a whole ton of different rules and regulations around the differences between the C-Corps, the LLCs, how can you have them? How do you separate your IP? How do you separate your all this kind of fun stuff? 
when it comes to what you guys do for people, what kind of problems are you looking at, I guess, most often? Well, I have to say, Michelle, that my most recent book is all about it. It's called Veil Not Fail. And uh, in the U.S. and other Commonwealth countries, the, you want the corporate veil of protection to be strong so that you are not personally held responsible. And the, the corporate veil of protection is you, it can stay strong if you follow these simple corporate formalities. You have to have a separate bank account. You can't run your personal expenses through your business bank account. You want the world to be unnoticed that you're dealing uh, with the public as an entity. So your business name should be XYZ comma LLC or Inc. You want people on notice that they're dealing with an entity. Uh, you wanna pay the annual filing fees to the state. These are all simple acts that you can take to protect yourself. If you don't follow these simple acts, they can pierce through the corporate veil of protection and get at your personal assets. And piercing the corporate veil, at least in the US, Michelle, works 50% of the time. Half of all cases, the courts are allowing the uh, person with a claim to go through the corporation and reach the personal assets of the business owner. Uh, it's, it's a really high amount. And so it's so easy to follow these formalities, but not enough people are. Wow. So I didn't realize it was so high for starters. So it's more like a doily than a fail. <laughs> <laughs> and and when it comes to transparency, how does that kind of affect this whole thing? Yeah, well, it definitely adds an additional layer to the burdens that a lot of business owners face. Um, people are going to have to comply with the Corporate Transparency Act you know, when you set up a business, you file the paperwork with the Secretary of State, you get your articles of organization or incorporation, you get a bank account, um, you know, you follow a few other formalities. But with the Corporate Transparency Act, this now requires small business owners to report information to the federal government. And the scary thing about all of this is that if you don't do it, you can face some very significant penalties. And they include either $10,000 in fines and or two years in jail. So it's really important that a lot of business owners out there know about it and they make sure that they're complying with this law. And, you know, if you have any questions, we here at Corporate Direct would be happy to help you guys out. Nice. So give us kind of an English translation of what it is and what it means to businesses. Yeah. So the Corporate Transparency Act, it's a new federal disclosure law that requires small businesses to report personal information to the federal government. And FinCEN is the government database or the government agency that's responsible for handling all this information. It stands for the Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. It's a branch of the U.S. Department of the Treasury. And um, you're required to report three pieces of information to them. It's uh, information about the company itself, information about the beneficial owners, and then um, company applicant information um, for the people who are responsible for setting up the company. So it can get a little complex. Uh, there, FinCEN does have a website where you can report all this information to. But um, it can be very tedious, and it's very easy to forget reporting information. So 
you know, as I mentioned, the penalties are very severe. Um, and, you know, we've been educating people about this new law. So as I mentioned, if you have any questions or anything, we'd be happy to uh, help anyone else out there if they have any. And Michelle, I would make one point, and that is that when you file the first time, you, and this year, you, if you were incorporated in 2023 or before, you've got this whole next year to file. If you set up a new entity this year, you've got 90 days to file. But once you file this information and nothing changes, you're okay. But if you're you have to send in this personal information that Ted mentioned, which includes not only the driver's license or passport number, but a copy of your passport or driver's license. That goes into this database. And when your passport or driver's license expires, you have to update this information to the federal government. And so we're providing our clients uh, with essentially a tickler system, reminding them that your passport is, has expired or is expiring. We need to amend uh, with FinCEN so you don't get hit with these penalties. So there's this ongoing requirement. Uh, and we, you know, we're not a big fan of this law. I think the government is, you know, collecting too much information here. Uh, the, the, reason behind it is to combat terrorist financing, which I don't think the, it's like the Wall Street Journal <laughs> sorry, said, I called yeah, <laughs> the Wall Street Journal said in their editorial, are the bad guys really going to self-report? Uh, and, you know, good question. Hey, uh, Dave, come over here. You own a company now. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. But at the same time, 32 million American businesses have to do this reporting. And so, you know, our job is to help our clients follow the law. And there is this amendment requirement that we're going to keep track of for our clients. Nice. Well, I, I am a rebel of all sorts and <laughs> certainly not one to believe that the government's back, got my back. However, I do understand that, you know, they're going to find the information anyways. It's just a matter of giving it to them. And, you know, if you're all above board anyways, you're not the ones that have to worry about it. It's... um there, there's so much I could say about this, but does it have any influence on how a company is registered? Because when you register your company statewide, right? You get your nuance report, you do all your name thing, all that kind of fun jazz. Does any of that have anything to do um, with that now that the federal government has kind of all that information? Is it going to change the way that companies have to name their company and compete against state to state and all that kind of fun jazz? Or do they just totally not care about that? They just want to know who you are. Are you legit? Can we find you if we need you kind of stuff? Yeah, and that's actually a really good question to ask. Um, it is going to be more of the latter. I, I don't think it'll affect how people name their companies or anything like that. It's just that the federal government wants to find out certain information about smaller businesses. Now, what's unique about this law is that a lot of federal laws target big businesses, but this law targets small businesses. And their rationale is that people set up these smaller shell companies to conduct illegal activity like money laundering, terrorist financing, all the like. And so they just want to know who's behind these companies. So that's why they're they're implementing this reporting requirement where you need to report information about your company and who owns it. So I think they just want to find out, you know, 
who are the little guys and if anything bad happens you know they can go after them dude if this actually justified them being able to find out who's got servers up and is fishing off of honest business owners <laughs> trying to shut yeah. them down i'd be all for it but i know that that's not really why they're doing it well and michelle this information will be available to the fbi the cia some uh, international uh, agencies like mi5 out of britain um, you know, this information will be available to law enforcement. Uh, local law enforcement can get the information with a warrant. So it, it's an active database for the government to use in their investigations. Yeah. But I think another thing to add on to that is like, will these criminals self-report the information? Um, you know, I think that's a fair question to ask. <laughs> all the law-abiding people will. All the, you know, good faith small business owners will. But like you mentioned, the people who are hacking or conducting phishing scams or anyone else who rips people off, are they going to report? I We don't know. <laughs> really? Don't we? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so this is, this is just the frustrating part about this new law. But our job, you know, we we protect our clients. We set up entities to protect them right from the start. And this is the new law. And our job is to help our clients get through it. Nice. Well, and and, and I'm going to go back to if if everything's above board, it kind of sort of doesn't matter anyways. And and being able to provide the legitimacy, my hope is that companies like Google will be able to then go, oh, okay, this is a legit business. So we're going to go after the phishing, not after their servers and their their domains. Technology being growing as fast as it is, I'm going to, and entrepreneurs being as um, flexible and as malleable to being able to create opportunities in those issues. Uh, I'm going to have complete and utter faith in that we're going to figure out how to <laughs> make the most of this and and make it a benefit for all of us. So when people are working with you, is there um, kind of anything that they need to know ahead of time to bring to you? Or do they just set up a meeting and go, what do I do? <laughs> well, we offer a free 15-minute consultation. Uh, if you'd like to work with Corporate Direct and find out how we can help you uh, comply with the Corporate Transparency Act. And so you can go to corporatedirect.com and schedule an appointment. Uh, and one of our paralegals would be happy to talk to you. Uh, also, if you want to set up an entity in the U.S., we help a lot of Canadians uh, set up U.S. entities. Uh, you can uh, go to Corporate Direct and also schedule a consult to, to just see how we can help you. Nice. So let's talk about that for a minute, because I still think that businesses don't understand why they would have multiple LLCs when it comes to setting up a business, separating their IP, separating their trust, separating all that kind of fun stuff. And it's in Canada, it's a little weird because it's like you either have an incorporated company or you don't. Can you set up multiple ones? Yes, um, but we're because it's not litigious. It's we're not used to being sued for IP and and weird things like that. Whereas you guys are, and it's very much, as far as I'm concerned, a a state of business. It's like if you're going to have a business, you have to have a room to walk into. You're going to have to have utilities. You're going to have to <laughs> be able to turn on the lights. It's just a part of business. So what? When do people? When should people be looking at talking to you about the complexity of their business and having multiple LLCs running different aspects of the business? 
Yeah. And that's also another great question. Um, it's best to just talk to a lawyer or somebody who's knowledgeable at the beginning. And, you know, the way I like to uh, describe it is kind of like laying the foundation of your house. Um, when you build the house, you lay the foundation first, and then you build the structure on top of that. So LLC formation and business formation is kind of the same. Uh, you just have the foundation first, and then from there you can build up. So, you know, if you have separate businesses, if you have intellectual property, um, it's best to just talk to somebody who's knowledgeable at the beginning, because in that case, they'll be able to properly help you. Um, and I have seen friends and uh, fellow law school friends as well, who just decided to use a cheap service in thinking that they knew everything from the start. But uh, it's very easy to mess something up in that regard. So, you know, you have to consider the entity type, how it's going to be taxed, how you're going to add people, um, you know, the paperwork, all of that. So it's best to just reach out to someone at the beginning. Like we here at Corporate Direct, we'd be happy to, we're very well versed in this field. We'd be happy to help out. So definitely reach out before you do it because down the road, you'll have no mess on your hands to clean up. So. Thanks. So in, just to give us a story and no names needed, of course, in this instance, do you have an example of a perfect storm where it's like, oh, <laughs> you should have come to us sooner or something like that? Yeah. Uh, a friend of mine had a uh, lumber company uh, down in Phoenix. And this is, uh, he was a general partner with his friend. And this is before people realized that you needed to have an entity. You know, we weren't as litigious uh, back in the day as we are now. Uh, and these people were told not to operate as a general partnership. Uh, it was a handshake deal. But one of the uh, other partner's kids uh, got in a horrific accident and the she was driving on behalf of the business and they were sued. And the person whose child was not in the accident as a general partner was equally responsible for what happened and they lost everything. Um, oh. you, know, you, can, you can have insurance, but you know, insurance is the first line of defense. You need to have that second line of defense, uh, which are properly formed entities. Absolutely. Oh my God, that's brutal. My heart goes out to them. So in a moment, we're going to make it all happy. I'm going to ask you for an example of a Cinderella story. Are you running a business over seven figures, but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap. So I am very excited to hear of an ex a Cinderella story of one of your clients. Well, Michelle, we had a client, uh, have a client that... Uh realizes the importance of their intellectual property in, in the U.S. and certainly other developed countries. The patents, the trademarks, the copyrights are all valuable. And you can get sued by competitors so they can learn about your intellectual property. So we had a client that set up an entity, 
they were doing technical work uh, and we recommended to them that they set up a separate Wyoming LLC to hold the intellectual property. And uh, when some a competitor sued them for some frivolous reason uh, and tried to get information about the intellectual property, it was in a separate Wyoming LLC. They had a, a license agreement between the operating company and the Wyoming LLC. And this frustrated uh, their competitor. So just an example of you, you know, you certainly want one entity, but there are times when maybe you want two or three, one to hold your intellectual property. We have uh, trucking companies that will have an operating company and they'll have their trucks in a separate LLC. It, it's not perfect, but it gives them uh, a better protection than they would if everything was all in one entity. So uh, that was a success story whereby our client did not have to give up uh, the intellectual property in discovery uh, in that case. So, well, and I'm going to talk to the about the company, the trucking company, because I think that's brilliant. In that, if one of your trucks gets into an accident and you happen to be in your 20th year of business and you've got some investments holding there that you're waiting for the sale and or your plans to take, like that could turn disastrous if those aren't in two different entities. Yes, correct. Correct. Wow. You certainly want to have enough insurance, but uh, and the trucking company could be held responsible if their employee is driving. But having those trucks in a separate entity, uh, it gives you a really good argument uh, to to keep people away from the operating company. Absolutely. Yeah. It terrifies me. So. Ted, talk to me about kind of who is your ideal client? What kind of situations do they find typically find themselves in? And how do they know they need to talk to you? And that was 28 questions. You can answer whichever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think ultimately uh, we're looking for people who want to assemble a good team around them. You know, when my dad's traveled with Robert Kiyosaki, he's talked about the importance of having a team, having an attorney, having an accountant, uh, having a bookkeeper having people around you who can really make your business successful. So a lot of the clients that we've helped are people who want to do everything right from the start. Uh, you know, and we have helped people who've set things up and then they need to have it cleaned up. But, you know, we're looking for people who are ambitious, driven, they want to do things the right way, and they want to have somebody in their corner who can help them with any legal matters. And so that's who we are at Corporate Direct. You know, we're here to help people as much as we can. And, um, you know, we like seeing our clients succeed too. So, you know, it's a really good relationship. And, you know, that's what the team's all about is just working together to uh, get some wins. I love it. Well, and I love that you guys talk about teams because oftentimes I'm not necessarily hearing that for years. And when it comes to, I think people don't understand that they're in business, they really need you need a banker. I wouldn't do a whole lot of things with them other than having a bank account, but you need a banker. <laughs> you need a lawyer. You need a, a, an accountant, preferably one that knows strategy. You need an investment person, an insurance person. Is there anybody else on the team that somebody should be looking at in order to make sure that they have a solid understanding of what they're getting into, especially if they know, like, it's not like, hey, I got this idea and I think it might work. But if they know and they have investors and it's a solid business right from the get-go, who do they need on their team? 
Well, you, a couple of attorneys uh, come to mind. You may need an intellectual property attorney, someone who can get that trademark uh, for you. If you're starting a business, having that trademark is a valuable asset. Uh, you know, when you sell the business, that's an asset that people will pay extra for. So an intellectual property attorney, if you're going to raise money, you need a securities attorney. Uh, you know, there, there's certain subspecialties of lawyers that you want on the team. I also think having, you know, when we talk about trademarks and all, having a graphic artist, someone who can help communicate uh, your vision for the business graphically, I think uh, is important to have. That's, that's a good team member uh, to call on as well. So you snickered, Ted, don't go to AI and get a logo yeah. and think that you got it down pat. <laughs> well, I think that's a judgment call on people's part. Um, you know, I think in a lot of cases, it helps to have a human. So, <laughs> well, and it's a lot easier to copyright a human design than it is one from AI. <laughs> well, yes, you can't copyright true. AI right now, but they're going to try and whittle away at that law. That That is coming. Got an opinion on that? Because I would love to hear it. Because this whole thing, one, AI to me is just a big algorithm. It's like, okay, so it's a really big algorithm. It's not really artificial intelligence. It's just a really big algorithm with a lot of data. But give me your perspective on what that all is. Well, uh, my perspective on AI is that unless we uh, understand it, uh, it's going to get so far ahead of us that we're not going to be able to regulate it. I, I am very concerned about AI. Yeah, I'm a little bit more neutral. Um, I think it depends on how you use it. Um, if you use it for, if you use it more as a tool to help you with facts and data and things like that, I, I think in those situations, it can be beneficial. But I think where it really hinders people is when it uh, infringes upon creativity. Like you were mentioning where uh, AI, they look at training data, you know, they train the algorithm to look at the data which is copyrighted material. And then from there, it creates an infringing work. So I think when it infringes upon human creativity, I think that's an issue. Which it I, I think it should just be, uh, <laughs> if it's AI, it's it's not yours, period. <laughs> that's yeah. just the yeah. way it goes down. Um, yeah. So I think it's going to be pretty simple in the future, but that's just my humble opinion. <laughs> God <laughs> knows. Not a lot of people are taking that one into consideration. Not the government anyway. Uh, so you guys have been absolutely awesome, but I get to ask you this. Oh, first off, I know people are going to want to more from you. So how do they get a hold of you? Yeah, so you can head on over to corporatedirect.com. And on that website, you can schedule a free 15-minute consultation with one of our specialists. We also have a lot of other information about the Corporate Transparency Act and other corporate law matters. And on top of that, I just started posting on Corporate Direct's YouTube channel. We have over 30,000 subscribers now, but I would really appreciate it if the number went up. So if you just go to YouTube, type in Corporate Direct, you'll see the channel there. Go ahead and subscribe and feel free to binge watch all the videos that I've made for people. <laughs> nice. I love it. Awesome. So we will, of course, have that link in the show notes. Uh, go ahead and scroll down, click on link, open up in a new browser because we're not done yet. Uh, actually, Ted, before we go into my next foray, I want to ask you more about the book. So the book that you've written, uh, tell us more about kind of what was the intention for it and what do people get out of that? Yeah, so the book I wrote, it's titled The Five Tricks to Teach Your Kids About Money. And, you know, when I use the word tricks, I don't mean like pranking your kids. Um, <laughs> they're just, 
you know, because that'd be kind of mean. And that would be kind of mean. Wanna... <laughs> it's easy to do. It's fun. Yeah. But... <laughs> yeah. And I, I kind of want to stay away from that. Um, but the tricks are just methods that parents can use to educate their kids. Because obviously, financial education isn't taught in schools. That's why Rich Dad Poor Dad sold so well. But I think the question, the biggest question is how do you teach kids about financial education? And so the five tricks to teach your kids about money, it's totally free. Uh, you can download it on the Sunstream website. And it walks you through five things that parents can use to boost their kids' financial IQ. I love that. That is awesome. Go ahead, Garrett. And, and Sunstream is a platform that we're uh, creating, S-U-N-N stream.com uh, slash five tricks. But this is a, a, a streaming platform where we're providing uh, financial topics for kids, uh, as well as other entertainment, movies, music, etc. cetera. Uh, but we really just wanted to uh, be able to help the parents uh, in their efforts to educate their kids. So if you go to sunstream.com uh, slash five tricks, you can get Ted's free book. Nice. I love it. And Garrett, your book is for those kids that are savants in the business arena or adults that already have business and running. <laughs> Talk to me about your book a little bit more. Well, this is the most recent one, Bail Not Fail, uh, but I've written a number of them. Uh, this one here is probably the flagship book uh, called Start Your Own Corporation. And this has been out for 20 years and I, I'm continually updating it for the new laws uh, but it's it's been really enjoyable traveling with Robert Kiyosaki and the team around the world. And you just you come to realize that there's this thirst for financial education, not only among kids, but among parents. You know, they were never taught it in school either. And so my books are written. Uh, it's kind of law for the layman. Uh, I, I don't use too much legal jargon. I tell stories to illustrate the principles uh, people always learn better through stories. Uh, and so uh, that's that's what I've done for the last 20 years is to write and update these uh, Rich Dad Advisor books. I love it. Ted, you giggled. <laughs> yep. No, it's, it's funny because I know you mentioned, uh, you know, talking about dad's book, but he has a dozen of them and he just keeps going. You know, it's kind of like Eminem putting out rap albums. It's like my dad just keeps cranking out books. So, uh, well, yeah, so I keeps me off the streets, you know, that's true. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> well, yeah. and I personally believe that entrepreneurs are going to save the world, despite all the rules and regulations that the government can possibly come up with. <laughs> yeah. Let's hope so. <laughs> right. I love it. You, you guys have been absolutely awesome. Garrett, I want to start with you. At what point in life did you know you're especially kind of crazy enough to think that you could become an entrepreneur? Um, you know, I had in, in our family, we had entrepreneurs. And so I was kind of exposed to it at a young age. And, uh, you know, people would talk about what the neighbors did in their business. And it, so it was, it was in the, uh, in the ethos. Uh, so, but early on, I, uh, had some projects, uh, when I was in college, I had an entrepreneurial project and, so I was I was doing these sort of things early on. Um, so I would say, I mean, if you want an exact date, uh, 16 years old. <laughs> what was the business when you were 16? Um, 
we uh, I did an advertising calendar where we sold advertising and provided a calendar for the school. <laughs> I have not heard that one yet. That is yeah. awesome. It was a great summer job. Well, and Ted, I know you were in the ethos of <laughs> entrepreneurship. Yeah. When At what point did you go, yeah, I think I could actually go and do that or I want to go do that? Yeah, so I think it all started after I graduated college. So I got a degree in mining engineering. Um, you know, I had worked at a mine in Chile, but I had a great time. It made me realize that um, I didn't necessarily want to do that. So after I graduated, my parents sat down with me and they said, well, I mean, he has a business, uh, you know, he's going to retire, not now, maybe not in 10 years, but at some point. And Never. so he's, yep, Never. <laughs> he may keep going until he uh, passes, but, you know, that's totally fine. Um, you know, I, I think that was kind of an aha moment for me, like, well, if he's reaching out to me and, you know, I've done other things in the past. Um, and so, you know, I think that just kind of gave me the confidence that, you know, I can do this. And so there's a few other things I'm working on. Uh, mainly the focus has been on the business. So I consider myself more of an intrapreneur instead of an entrepreneur. But um, yeah, I would say, you know, it's been several years since I knew I wanted to do this. And, you know, dad gave me the confidence to do it. And that really helped too. So, you know, I think a lot of it's just been parental encouragement. I, I love the entrepreneurial dinner tables. They were always way more exciting than ours. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You guys have been absolutely awesome. Garrett, any last words for our peeps? Michelle, I, I appreciate you doing a show like this. People need information like that, like you're providing. So, you know, thank you for uh, providing this information to your listeners. And uh, again, we'd be happy to talk to anybody who needs help with this darn new Corporate Transparency Act. <laughs> right. Chad, and it's on a happy note. Any last words for our peeps? Yeah, well, it's important to be compliant with the Corporate Transparency Act. And the best way to do that is to have somebody on your team, somebody who's in your corner, who's trusted and knowledgeable helping you throughout. And we here at Corporate Direct would be happy to provide that service to anyone out there. I love it. Thank you to both for your time. I appreciate it. And I know how valuable it is. Awesome. Thank, Thank you. you. Peeps, this is Michelle Nedelec. Thank you for being here with us today. Be sure to subscribe to the show and share it with your friends. We love helping entrepreneurs grow. Are you running a business over seven figures but still struggling with technology headaches? Pay attention. You do not want to miss this offer. This podcast episode is brought to you by Awareness Strategies, who is offering a custom-built digital adoption roadmap for anyone running a business over seven figures who's wanting to grow their business in the next five years. And it's not just a roadmap. They offer full implementation as well. If that scares the out of you, check out awarenessstrategies.com forward slash roadmap for more details today. The link's in the show's notes. Don't regret not doing this. Do it now. That's awarenessstrategies.com slash roadmap.